Hello and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. I am so excited for you to hear this episode, not only because my guest is an entrepreneurial icon, chances are he's graced your living room at some point on a Friday night as people are trying to secure a deal for their new business idea, but I'm excited for you to hear this gentleman like you've never heard him before, to hear the stories behind the stories you thought you knew, and the additional insight into what it takes to be truly great. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's get to it. Our guest today is the cover figure in the brand new issue of Success on newsstands everywhere February 2nd, none other than Damon John. Now, you know him as a star investor on Shark Tank and the founder of FUBU, the breakout apparel company that made his fortune and earned him the status of superstar entrepreneur. These days, he's committed to helping create more FUBUs through projects like Black Entrepreneurs Day, in which 10 Black-owned businesses were selected to each receive a $25,000 grant through the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People and a one-on-one mentoring session with Damon himself. There is so much more to talk about. Damon, welcome to Success. We are so excited to hear your stories. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited as well. Okay. So this is the the first question I want to ask you is one that's been on my mind. I've asked several people this question But I want to warn you, I didn't warn you in advance. It's kind of a hard one. My guess is you've answered it before, but just fair warning there. I want to ask you, this is, you know, for success. You're on the cover of Success Magazine. Congratulations and thank you so much. Um, Damon, what is, what is success to you? Like, what is your definition of success? It has changed so many times over the course of my career. Um, yeah. But if I had to give it a general perspective of what uh, my answer to what success is, is the ability to challenge yourself and live with the decisions that you made, whether you fail or succeed during those challenges through life. Live with the decisions you've made during those challenges. Well, that is, yeah, you know, and I think it's interesting too, that you said right there, which is actually, um, no one has said that yet. And, and that's, what's been on my mind is you said it's changed so much over the course of your life. Like that definition of what success is. Can yeah. you, can you, cause I've been feeling, I've been feeling that like success when I was, you know, at home with my two kids, they were so little, like success was like buying a pair of shoes. Honestly, it was like, there was just this one pair of shoes that I wanted and that would be success for me. It's changed. Can you remember some of the different versions of success for you along the way? I was sure as a young, young man growing up with little to nothing, um, success was to get a regular job. Uh, after a while of, you know, seeing my friends and a lot of people maybe go down the bad route. 
success was just to have money. Now, if I would have just done those things and maybe I would have hurt somebody or I would have been hurt or maybe I would have been in jail or maybe I would have left my mother without her only child, um, I would have reflected and not been able to live with that decision and said to myself that I was an idiot or what happened. Success after that was um, to have my two little girls and my wife at the time and uh, do everything I can in my life to uh, go out and make money, but yet get caught up at the same time with the fame and or the, the fake friends and turn around and question if um, if I made the right decision because I lost them as a family, we broke up as a family, did I ever make the right decision then? Um, however, to reflect on it saying, listen, if I was an everyday um, blue collar worker, I still would have worked 24 hours a day and slept her in a refrigerator box if I had to, to give my little girls and my wife the best that, that they can have. So I still would not have been at home. Yeah. And then now success is to look at my little girl, my newest little girl and my newest wife to say, not how much money can I give them? How much love can I give this little girl to go out into the world to be a better person? So success changes uh, in, in so many different facets. And now I, I feel comfortable with the decisions that I make, I think, because they're more well thought out. Um, and they're, and as, as we're young, we, we make fast decisions for the wrong reason to sometimes impress the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, that went you know, right at the beginning, you said it's to be okay with the decisions that you've made and then that extra thoughtfulness. So it isn't so much now it sounds like there's more of a thoughtfulness in the moment of like making the decision versus a thoughtfulness, like a couple of years later, like, Oh, that decision I should have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. so that's also, yeah. Success sounds like maturity in some ways too. That's like, they, they go hand in hand. Oh, I love that. Um, I actually, I think about that. Uh, I think about that. Like, I, I, and I think a lot of people do, uh, like, will I regret this decision? And it's asking yourself that, like, at the beginning of the decision versus after it's already done. Just thinking it through. I think it's a thought process. And you say a lot of people do, but I, I, I notice that a lot of people don't. They, they get different results. They get different things. And when they either got to pay the piper or they got to get up and work now because of the decisions they make, they go, why did I do that? <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, it's listen, but, but let's not talk about those. Let's talk about the ones who do make the proper decisions or they live by it. They go, I screwed up. I'm, I'm owning it. That is who I am. Yeah. Boom. You know what? I learned from it. Let's move on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that owner, the ownership of decisions is, is an important part of an important aspect of success as well. So I want to go back to like, and I know that, um, I mean, you've probably told these stories a hundred times before, but I've never, and I know our listeners have never been able to hear it like right here face to face. Uh, so where, like Damon, where did this all start for you? Like where, where does your story start? Oh, my story starts as a young kid growing up in, in, in Hollis, Queens, being born in Brooklyn, growing up in Hollis, Queens with uh, a strong um, mother. Um, and my, my father is, was from Trinidad, but life happened and they would get divorced at 10 when I was 10 years old. And um, I would never see or speak to my father ever again. And being a sibling, being, being somebody with no siblings, excuse me, um, watching my mother work three jobs, put food on the table that she didn't have to work when she was married. She only had to work one. Um, I, I, I never wanted to see my mother work that hard. And, um, uh, I was, I was torn, as I said earlier, you know, that I was in a community where like 
most people in my, you know, growing up in the early eighties, this, this new cheap drug and crack came around mm-hmm. and I didn't have any mentors to look up to in the community because the true people that were doing business and or, or busting their ass, you didn't see them. We didn't have social media. So they got up at five o'clock in the morning, got their kids ready for school. And then they went to their place of business. You didn't get a peek in the window of what they were doing. They, they were, they were leaders in the community, but you didn't see the hard work that they were putting in. All you saw were the drug dealers driving around school at three o'clock in the afternoon, asking you if you want to help join their team. And I couldn't look onto TV to see anybody that, that looked like me that was doing well. Um, most of the people I saw on TV that looked like me that were doing well, they knew how to play a sport. So they knew how to sing or dance. Right. Um, so, um, but however, but growing up in Hollis, Queens, I was fortunate enough to see people drive by named Run DMC and LL Cool J and Salt and Pepper and 50 Cents and Ja Rule and Onyx and Tribe Called Quest. And I started to say, wait a minute, these people are driving around in fancier cars and they're not selling drugs. Wait a minute. <laughs> I really want to be like them, but I can't rap, sing or dance. Are you sure? I feel like you've got some dance moves. I feel like dancing uh, with the stars. I, 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 I can dance a little. I can dance a little. Shum, shum, shum. Um, so I wanted to be part of them. I wanted to be able to go on these rap tours. But um, and then I also found out that the music that I loved, you know, the people and the designers that made that clo- the clothing that we would adopt, didn't make it for us. Whether they didn't want being African Americans or inner city kids, or why am I wearing a why am I making a pair of 32 that you fit, but you're wearing a pair of 36? Well, maybe because I like the break dance in it, or I love your brand so much this is gonna be the only pair of pants gonna buy in three years and I'm gonna grow into it. How dare you be mad at me for loving your brand so much? Mm-hmm. So I, I decided to come out with a brand name, Fubu for us by us. And a lot of people thought that the name was about selling to a color. But I never want to be the thing. I never want to be the thing that I'm fighting against. No, I'm selling to a culture, a culture of people that are beautiful of all colors that love this, this, this form of communication from the streets. That today you would call it today's Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat because the kids were communicating through music about the things they loved and they they aspired to be, and they no longer had to be able to play an instrument or sing. And um, I stood on the corner one day with 1989 Good Friday, three o'clock in the afternoon, and I. I, the night before that, I spent six hours making a bunch of these little hats that looked like a looked like a ski cap with a tie on the top. And I remember standing on that corner, 1989, Good Friday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I sold $800 worth of hats in one hour. And um, the light bulb went off in my head that I made these hats in my own hand. It was my ability to show value to these customers or potential customers yeah. or not. And I made $800 in one hour and I will never work for anybody ever again for the rest of my life. From that point How on. old were you in 89? I was uh, 20. And, um, but reality set in and I had to get a job. I worked at Red Lobster for five years after that. But at least it was a good moment. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Those cheesy biscuits, though. I tell you, like, Red Lobster is, like, were you, like, I do want to, like, actually, that is really, we can come back to the Red Lobster thing but um what did your so so I'm going back so 10 years old your parents get divorced you never see your father again that that they're like 10 years in there right and actually I wanted to ask you about like what did high school because I think I read somewhere that you kind of had a non-traditional high school experience, right? Like it wasn't, which I found, I found the Red Lobster thing extremely fascinating um, because I worked at the Outback Steakhouse. I know we were direct competition, not at the same time, but like direct, like I, yeah, 
that could be a whole nother, that could be a whole different episode about uh-huh. being in the service industry and like what that, what that teaches you. hundred percent. Right. Like I, my kids will, I think it's interesting. A lot of people have the goals where like, I don't want my kids to have to work through college or whatever it was. Like I worked. They need to work through college. Yes. And like to, to learn what it is to like, like, I think one of the, one of the other this is a total tangent, but one of the other jobs that I had in college, cause it, it had to be 18 was, um, I was a cart girl at a golf course for years. I made so much money, which was great. I paid for college as a beer cart girl, but I also learned as a woman, young woman, I was 18, 19, 20, whatever it was, how to talk to guys on the golf course. Like I got this like insight into what that what that looks like. Like I never would have, and it's sir, it has served me over time very well. So that's good information. It's fascinating being in certain industries. I mean, any job you're at, you're getting paid to get educated instead Mm -hmm. of having to go work to pay to be educated. Mm -hmm. Right. I worked in fast food industries for a long period of time. And um, yeah, absolutely. There's so many, there's so many new, like not just the customer, not just the customer aspect of it, but like the inner workings too of all. I mean, you think about the the personalities at Red Lobster, at Outback Steakhouse right there on the team. So, but I do want to ask you about this, your high school experience, because in particular uh, in our household, so my son is almost 10. So this is really interesting that that, so he's almost 10. He's in fourth grade. My daughter's in third grade. It's been a tumultuous school year right and very non-traditional because they're learning in the room next door to me I'm supposed to be teaching them math I don't understand uh I mean it's been and I find myself my nostalgic self thinking like oh man they're losing these years this isn't they're not having like a sadness about the non-traditional experience and even, even into high school, even though my kids aren't in high school, but I think that your high school experience probably served you better than, uh, so, so tell me, tell me about what high school was for you. And let's talk about that. So I wasn't necessarily a good student in general. Um, I have, uh, I, I have dyslexia, but at that time they weren't diagnosing me or anybody else with dyslexia. So I would, uh, you know, um, I would try to find ways to get out of the workarounds uh, for dyslexia. So they had a, an opportunity called the co-op program where I would go to school one week um, and I would go and get a job that they would find jobs and place us. And I'd work every um, alternative week and we would get credits for that. So I got a job at a company called uh, as a foot messenger at tend to be where I am in my business now, but a venture firm called first Boston, first Boston venture capitalist or First Boston Corporate Bank, um, and they were a venture firm. They invested in startups and various other things, but from a venture side, I'm an angel investor. Um, and, uh, you know, it taught me a lot of things. It, it taught me, um, obviously, I was already a hard worker, but I was a messenger at the time. And so I'd be the ones who take the little packages around. But that's when I started to see some of those heroes I said I didn't see before, because I'd be going into American Express, Lehman Brothers, uh, FedEx offices. I'd be going to various places taking high value packages or documents to these people. And I would see executives who were of all colors and I would see all these amazing. And then obviously coming from the hood, you know, at that time growing up, I would see movies like Dallas or Wall Street, but I would see these beautiful women executives and I'd be like, wow, 
that's a woman <laughs> you know and so i'd be that annoying messenger in the in the in the um in the in the elevator with the blaring music out of my headphones you know looking you up and down going hey ma oh, so um but but <clears throat> but i also saw where people were happy and people were sad sometimes maybe on a on a friday once a month i would i would save up and have like eight dollars and i'd go upstairs to to the corporate place and the the lunch the lunch the area yeah in the cafeteria and i i you know i'd go and treat myself to some food and i would hear these i mean these are stockbrokers and venture people i see them right next to me complaining about the fact that they cannot up you know upgrade their yacht or upgrade you know their other home or get a home and greet or go to Greece this year and hear them complaining. Yet I was in a uh, in a messenger room downstairs with a lot of people that didn't get paid a lot of money, but um, they were the happiest people you ever seen in mm -hmm. your life. They didn't take their job home with them. Every time we had a package that was more than ten blocks, you would get two dollars, a dollar to go, a dollar to go in case you had to take the subway or train. But most of them would walk, and I would see people who were like, "Hey, I'm just saving up money, and I bought a house in Dominican Republic for me and my family, and I get to go home to see my wife." But they were making an extra ten dollars a day, you know, um, which added up, and they were some of the happiest people. So I realized that money at that time was not a cure to people's problems, only often would highlight your weaknesses. And um, um, so it taught me a lot uh, of things about working and what is success, what isn't success. And uh, and not that I wouldn't make mistakes further on in my life when I had money and resources, but as I would try to learn from those mistakes, I would reflect on some of the people that I've met in the past mm -hmm. from both sides of, of the coin, you know? Well, and I, I think too, the point that you made about... <laughs> It's such an unexpected path to access, right? Like, like access to these different kinds of people, like to see something. And we, we need, I feel like we need to see, I think that's, what's been so important about Shark Tank is it's yeah. been an opportunity for, we need to see it. We, we, we need to see it to know, I mean, see it to believe it or whatever, believe it when you see it or with like, oh wait, this is what it looks like. Like this is what it can be. And you got to see it through that messenger job. Wow. That is, and you know, just uh, overall, like, so my background is in storytelling. All my work is in stories using stories in business. It's always been fascinating for me to watch uh, to watch the entrepreneurs on Shark Tank and, and how the stories go and what stories carry them through and what stories knock them out or whatever it is. But I think uh, as a parent, as I'm listening to this, that, that's where I am right now, um, that all our kids' stories are different. And just because it's not the exact story, it, it is going to be a story for them to tell. Like, this is your story to tell now that. Sure. Um, all right. So I, and this just came up in the story that you were telling earlier. I just want to know, like, what did your mom think when you were like, where did you make those hats when you were, when you were making the hats, how many did you have? And, and was she around? Like, was she like, what are you doing? Like, what's going? Like, I know your mo mother was really important to you. Did she know yeah. this was happening? Um, she knew that I was doing something cause I, I had like the FUBU name and I had a little bit of a, like a label and instead I would cover up all the champion shirts I was wearing with FUBU and just wear it. And after a while people were like, Oh, what's that? What's that? Oh yeah. You clothing on this just like sweeping the nation. I mean, you know, and, uh, you know, so she knew that what it was, 
And uh, my mother was always a hustler as well. Um, you know, she knew that that night I was sewing hats. I think she helped me sew a couple of them. Um, and she said, yeah, just go try to sell them if you can and see what you can do. I mean, it cost me $40 worth of fabric. I made 80 hats and I sold them in an average of a blended margin. I sold them anywhere from $7.50 to $15, but an average out about $10. And um, yeah, she was always super supportive. My mother was always somebody who was like, well, okay, well, how are you going to do it? what do you expect out of it you know um and we would learn from it collectively you know you know i was i was uh, i'm a self-proclaimed mama's boy um and uh you know she's she's absolutely amazing i love it um what would you say to parents who are raising or want to raise or uh notice that there's that entrepreneurial spark in their kid, uh, whether that kid is five years old or 10 years old or 15 or 20, um, any, anything that you've seen from your own experience or even your experience in Shark Tank, like what do parents do? Yeah. So there's so many different ways. And I, I wish I could say that I was great in parenting, but my, uh, my partners in life, my, um, my ex-wife and my current wife are absolutely amazing partners. And, um, but I also have girls and a relationship between a, a, a mother and a daughter is so special and, and yeah. different than a mother and a son and special in both different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, when you see an entrepreneurial spirit in a child, you should absolutely, absolutely embrace it because it doesn't mean they need to be an entrepreneur. It just means they mm-hmm. have problem solving ways of thinking and or they're willing to test and try. I think that we're taught not to think like entrepreneurs by many people and not because they have the intention, but, you know, uh, the older generation before mine, or maybe really before my mother's grew up saying, what are you talking about? You're supposed to go and work at a company and uh, mm-hmm. retire at 60 years old. And one of the parents can stay home and take care of the kids. Then things change in life where neither one of the parents could stay home, you know, and now we are seeing that maybe you don't need to work at a company because you're working on somebody else's dream. And if they don't do well with their dream, all of a sudden you fail. But you can also have an entrepreneurial way of thinking and go and work at a company and be number two, three, and four, and five, and not have to take the responsibility of the company itself, but yet take home the accolades and money as long as you are rewarded by it, and then move from company to company to company and have a good career and be financially intelligent and invest on the side. So while you're working on somebody else's dream, your money's working on your dream. But but, But we're taught also often, don't do that. Uh, that's not been done before. I have never heard of that. No, let them fail. Let them fail as much as they can. You know, um, let them grow a hard shell and 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 learn from experience. Um, so so that's what I think. I think we should definitely let people do that. Um, and you just don't know. A, kid, a lot of kids are not built for school. Um, and we've seen, and I know you probably interviewed plenty of people who started off in a career here. They did it all because their parents or society told them to do this. And then at thirty or forty years old, they go. I want to do something else that I've always wanted to do or empty nesters, people who've been in careers for so many long, some of the top come, some of the, the, one of the top areas of, of, uh, of entrepreneurship are people that are retirees now. And they say, now I can finally do what I want to do. So I think you should always really, you know, get kids excited about it, but understand whether it's school or whether it's entrepreneurship, it's all just as hard. Yeah. Yeah. And so my, my kids wanted to set up a, a booth to sell stuff. And I'm like, location, location, like no, <laughs> nobody. Uh, and and they, my, 
daughter wanted to sell like the shoes that had like finally the toe, like the heel, like it was over. The shoe was done. She's like, I'm going to sell these at my stand. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do in this moment. I don't know if I'm like, good, go try that. Uh, or if I should just be like, let's not, because you know what? People are so nice. A cute kid standing by a table, they probably would buy the broken shoes and she'd think that you could, it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But I do it's think about, but, but, but it's positioning, right? Yeah. I, you know, I may have said to her, well, who's the end user? Why would they want the shoe? Yes. You don't want it. Right. And then she goes, well, I don't know, but what about a girl that has no shoes? You think she'd want it? Yeah. Well, maybe you can ask people if they like to donate because every pair of shoes they buy, you give it to that girl. So there's a different transaction happening there. Yeah. And have them understand the fullness of a transaction. I like that. Sure. We yeah. will. Now, now I just have to figure out to do what to do with the art that they want to sell for a thousand dollars. That's a, a a stick bunny, but we, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> we, we may have to have, we may have to have like a, an ongoing sure. conversation. Um, and actually that, that's something that I wanted to ask you about because something, there's a lot of things I want to ask you about, but I wanted to make sure that we talked about this because it's, you know, the pandemic was, and I was thinking about um, Shark Tank dur during the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. partially because I just wanted new episodes because I had, I was done watching Tiger King. Like I needed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we were at home, but I was thinking about all the, you know, thinking about the small business owners, thinking about everyone uh, in business through the pandemic, of course, as well as health. Um, but you decided to do something uh, really exciting, create a new thing in October. It is um, Black Entrepreneurs Day. Was that in October? Correct. And the first yes. time was October 2020, right? It'd never been done before. Yeah. Never been done before, no. So tell me about, like, tell me about that because I know that it's people, people, did they win? They won, like, businesses. Yeah. So I, yeah. Sure. I can break it down for you. So, um, um, my my team and I and others were looking at the, you know, the George Floyd and all the social unrest, and we saw that people didn't have any hope. People of all colors, and yeah. we were saying to ourselves that, um, you know, they're burning down buildings when they should be building businesses. During times like this is when you know the greatest wealth is created and our companies are uh, created, but they don't have enough information or they're getting the information from the wrong sources. And even if they're getting the information from the wrong sources, maybe they, or, or the right sources, maybe they don't know if they should invest in it at a certain time. And I, and I, and like anybody else, any other entrepreneur, you know, I was hoping somebody else would do something, somebody else would do something. I said, wait a minute, why exactly am I not doing anything? And I called around to a bunch of uh, uh, companies that I, I love to support and we support each other. And I realized they had the same anxiety and they realized that um, what we were facing, like in any time of injustice, is going to be solved by all people who realize that something is going wrong of all colors, whether it's apartheid, civil war, civil rights. And I said, all right, so what are we going to do? So we put together, you know, in two months, fairly quickly, Chase sponsored it and UPS and got a bunch mm -hmm. of people. And then when we, we collected, we had uh, a quarter million dollars worth of grants, 10 grants of 25,000. Actually, we had to turn away some companies because it gotten to the point where we needed to um, activate the grants. And we wanted right. to obviously the companies to be acknowledged for it. And we said, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. And so we got that. And um, so we gave, uh, you know, um, 
10 companies, 25,000. Um, and uh, I interviewed several, a lot of people from uh, Bob Johnson, created BET to LL Cool J to Gabrielle Union to Shaquille O'Neal to executives as well on the side of uh, the general insurance on the side of Chase to show people, the people that were doing it from the entrepreneurial side, people doing it from this side, people like Shaq, people like me, people like Ice-T who screwed up money because yeah. we did not have financial intelligence. Not to just yeah. talk about it and make one big wet kiss. Where did you mess up? And mm-hmm. how can other people avoid this? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, billions of media impressions, 7 billion media impressions and um, uh, a, a fascinating amount of downloads and streams throughout all the social media platforms. And it's been really amazing. We're seeing a lot of these companies get to flourish and uh, I've been doing mentor sessions with them as well. Um, and it's just that, you know, I, I noticed that at that time when we were going through it, I got, a, I had a lot of, um, really amazing CEOs call and say, I didn't even realize how bad it was. And I don't feel like I'm doing enough. And, and I had to share with them, but don't feel that you have to go out and change the world in one day, you know, do what got you to be a CEO, a successful person, identify the problem, educate yourself and see what way can you apply what you have to slowly address this situation education wise whatever because if it's not going to be that today it's still going to be the lack that um uh, women don't get the the uh, the same amount of uh compensation as a male does or that lgbtq or the fact that you fought for this country as a veteran but you say it and people think all of a sudden you have a problem and you're going to be problematic when no you're highly skinned person highly skilled person that has a network so there's always going to be something else tomorrow so just really just create a culture within your company. We're going to solve these issues slowly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and so it started to, and, and I felt that that started to work. And I felt that a lot of people felt very comfortable with that instead of waving this, you should, you should, there's no, you should anything. It's hard to run in your own life. Right. You know, so <laughs> right. um, I, 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 and we had a very good experience with it and we're very, very proud of what happened and how people showed up. Is that going to be uh, an annual, I'm sure it'll evolve over time if it is, but do you see it being like an annual event, an annual? Absolutely. Um, people, all of the companies, almost all of the companies already signed up for uh, next year. And it looks like we will be uh, being able to hand out and uh, issue grants way, way more to way, way more people. Um, so it, is, it has been very, very rewarding for me. Oh, that is, I mean, I, we, we started the whole conversation with the definition of success and this, like, um, giving, not, not, not giving back, but like educating forward, I guess it wasn't even like a part, wasn't even a part of, of that definition, but I can feel it from you that like, what a cool, and of course, Shark Tank, Shark Tank was a part of that as well. But now like this is taking on a whole new, which actually I feel like it would be bad if we didn't talk about Shark Tank. Um, of course. Right? Like who would I, uh, Madison, our producers, like I'm a huge Shark Tank fan. She well, would no, no. like hang up and be like, how did we not talk about Shark Tank? So, right. I, I totally get that. I love that. Yeah. So we, um, so I want to know like, I know I want to know a lot of things, but how did the whole Shark Tank like I want to hear from you? Do you remember the day you got the call? Like, how did this and your involvement, like, how did it happen and how did you feel? So it was back then when we had um, uh, recording devices at the offices, you know, 2006, <laughs> 2007. And, um, you know, I usually have 40 
voicemails and my uh, my executive assistant checked it and the normal 39 people were hi damon can i manage your money hi damon would you like to buy a building hi damon (laughs) somebody else was like hi damon i work for mark Burnett and uh you know in la and we would love to call you to discuss something and i was like okay whatever i get on a i get on a at that time the uh, the version of zoom or whatever it's called at the time and it's myself and my executive assistant and a bunch of producers that mark Burnett is not there and um we're in a conference room and they're telling us the story about the show, how it's a big show in Japan, London and Canada, and it's coming to America and that, um, you know, they want me on the show and um, I'm going to have to spend my own money. And I said, well, who else is on the show? And they said a couple of people. I never heard of them. They said, we're talking to Mark Cuban. I said, I said, so you guys in Hollywood, I mean, you took it to another level. I heard about how you screw people. Now, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I, in some, offer me minimum wage. But you're taking pimping to a whole other level. Like, I got to spend my own money? Really? And Mark Cuban, the, the big head the big head boy that throws <laughs> chairs on the courts that is on TV uh, more than God, he's going to be investing in sponges? So like, <laughs> like, 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 where's the camera at? Is the camera on me right now? Is this the reality show? Is this the show? Oh so um, I said, I said, you know what? I'll come do the show. Uh, I'll come do out there because I need a, I need a free trip to LA anyway. And I said, I'm going to do the show only. I'll do the, the the pilot, but I have to have breakfast with Mark Burnett because I got three smoking real reality TV uh, program ideas that are going to be hot. And they said, all right, all right, we'll set up the breakfast meeting. But then all of a sudden they said, by the way, if you do it, you can't be on any other show. I said, well, I'm already, I have three girlfriends who are friends of mine who are opening a show, a store called Dash in New York. They already have one in LA and they got a new show coming out. And uh, I'm, I'm their, I'm their kind of like, they're not their manager, but I'm their product placement person. I'm the one that puts brands there and I'm going to be on the show three separate times for about three minutes a piece. They said, I can't do any other show. I said, well, all right, well, I I appreciate it. Goodbye. Click. And, you know, um, I turned them down and, and, you know, they're not used to in Hollywood. They got real. They got real hot and bothered about it. You yeah, know, Hollywood. They, so, that's what they do. Hollywood. Yes, yeah, so they call me back, and um, I said, "No, I'm really not interested." And then all of a sudden, Chloe, uh, you know, the producer of the Kardashians, called me and said, "Hey, Damon, I don't really think that we want you on the show anymore." Because um, what happened was, um, Chloe overheard or found out that I was going to turn down uh, Shark Tank because of, uh, you know, my how I was working with them, and she said. She would never get in my way, and she got rid of me. Um, Wait, what? That's what happened? Yeah, Chloe. Chloe said, "You're turning down a huge opportunity, and I think the world needs to know, um, you know, about who you are and what you can do for people because you've done so much for us um, that I didn't do that much for them. Trust me, I just talked to them a little bit. And I, if you notice, the first three years of the Kardashian, I, I walked them around to everybody I knew in the fashion industry. I said, all this whole family." Well, wear your clothing line, your entire clothing line for $75,000 for all episodes for the first three years. No, excuse me, for one year. And I did that for three years. And nobody ever listened to me. So if you notice the first three seasons, they're all wearing my brand, Kooji. Uh, They're all wearing this brand right here because I said, girls, I'll give you the $75,000. There you go. Um, So, but anyway, the bottom line is they, they, she said, get out of here, Damon. You're worth more. You can do more. And I did, uh, I did the pilot for. Shark Tank and wait, 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 wait. 
Hold on, hold on. So Chloe, so you're like, no, no, I'm not doing Shark Tank goodbye. And you hang up. And then you find out a couple days, a week later that you just got fired from the other show that was keeping you from doing it. So you skipped an important, which you know why it was nice that Chloe did that. Like, that was great. But you missed an important part where you had to call Mark Burnett or like you had to call no, he called me. back. They, they called, called you back. Mark knew uh, Chris oh. Jenner and knew Chloe. So they told him and they called me back. I was like, uh, so I heard you're available. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm too close to it, right? Yeah, I go I out there. I, I go out there. I shoot the stupid show. I'm like, this show ain't going nowhere. <laughs> at that time, at that time, too, and I'm single at that time, and I'm a little younger. It's probably about 12, it's 13, 14 years ago. I just gotten divorced. So I got these old, you know, big ass old ghetto earrings because, of course, I'm going to the club and I got my I, and I'm taking this smoking hot woman that I've always been trying to meet uh, to the club. And um, uh, and um, the show gets picked up and then they say to me, well, you got to keep the earrings in for continuity because that's why you see the same outfits we wear. And now all of a sudden I, I had to keep the earrings in the whole season for continuity. And then all of a sudden. Like I go out, if I don't have the earrings in, nobody. I can take them out and nobody knows who I am. I put them in all of a sudden. Oh my God, I didn't realize you were the Shark Tank guy. It's like, look at me, I'm OJ, look at me, I'm not. You know, one of oh those type of things gosh. or whatever it is. Um, oh and then God. I go to breakfast with Mark Burnett and I go, all right, time to hear these three smoking ideas. The man knocks down the ideas before the damn orange juice comes. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Shark Tank gets picked up and I'm on the air sitting there mentoring these five other bozos that I call my fellow sharks. That really is what's happening. That is what's happening. I can tell that you are, you are the true mentor of the group. I'm like a mother with all of them in my bosom. I'm like a a big, (laughs) you know, great Dane with all these little puppies. You just keep reaching up, trying to pull out your beautiful earrings. (laughs) (laughs) Have you thought about starting a fashion, uh, a jewelry company? Do you have that? Absolutely not. Because isn't, aren't I supposed to be teaching people financial intelligence? Yes. That is, that is very true. Oh my gosh. Wait, can you just quit? What were the other three ideas? Can you share those? I want to know. Cause I bet they were good. Was one of them a ceremony where people would hand out roses and say if they're going to get married on TV in, in 30 days or less. That would no, that one, that one obviously was stolen from me. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure what stolen. it was, but it was something like maybe divorce parties um, I don't know. They were crappy ideas. I, I, yeah. I, I forgot. I forgot about them too before I uh, left. left yeah, you, you don't. You don't even know. All right. I do want to ask you. So, what? Um, now that I have you sitting here right now, like, what do you look for for real? Like, do you ever make when someone's in there for Shark Tank and they've got all their like they've got all their number like what what do you care about more? Do you care more about the person? Do you care more about the idea? Do you care more about their numbers? Like, I mean, on the show, you got to do your thing, but you're right here now here. Yeah. What, what matters most? So to give you clarity, you know, we don't know anything about those people. And, um, you know, the, an average pitch is an hour long. So mm-hmm. you are seeing eight out eight, eight minutes of an hour pitch. Yes. So if you, you could set it up easier with you, if I said, Hey, I'm connecting with somebody, they don't know what they're doing in business, but they got a great, following or they got great numbers but that's not even set up for us so we don't know anything um so, so they really are just walking in cold like the papers that you have in front of you what do they say no they're that's like, our numbers that's that's 
no, that's our writing our numbers down as we're breaking as we're we're going through oh. ten hours of pitches in one day. So if I'm gonna go back and you pitch for an hour, I'm gonna go. All right. Well, what was your percentage? What was your name? First of all, I'm, I right. don't want to insult you and stuff like that. So those are all our papers trying to. Um, okay, I thought it gave like the whole pro- profile of the person, but those oh. are just your notes. Okay, all right. So they're so coming we, in cold. You don't know anything about them, right? So initially, you know, you you are seeing you want to hear their story. Uh, me, I'm, I don't know what everybody else is. I want to hear their story. I want to hear how many times they've overcome adversity more than the successes. Don't don't tell me the the long wet kiss. Tell me how you still have a love and a drive for this thing. Um, tell me where you come from. Um, and then I'm hearing about the product. Then we want to hear the customers because if you don't know who your customers are and I don't know who your customers are, then you're going to use my money for tuition. Right. And that's not going to work out quite well. That's right. Cause Um, you are still, it's still your money. Like let's not forget Mark didn't change his mind on that. Mark Barnett or Burnett. Burnett, Yeah. Yeah. And they can't give us, I mean, think about that. If they gave us money, I'd be giving everybody a damn deal. My cousin Pookie be on there. My cousin Rollo be on there. Everybody. (laughs) How many cousins do you have, David? I don't, I'd have them then. Yeah. You would have any, but I'd have them then. For sure. You'd be my cousin. So yeah, I mean, they're like, how's she your cousin? Oh, it, it worked out quite well. So um, yeah, she's albino. Now, um, so that's how that would work out. But um, so, and then after that, you're really listening at the end of the day um, for the numbers. Is there a possibility here? But the, it really, really boils down to if I like you. Yeah. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I may think everything's great. And I've learned in life to get to that point where to trust my gut and go, yeah, there's just something about this person, and you know what? Because I have so much opportunity, why have to second guess my gun on this one? Somebody else is coming through the door in another hour. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 so I like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like. Can you just say it again that you like to hear their story? Can you just say that one more time for the storyteller on the screen here? That's- I want to hear their story. You know, listen. I think an excellent pitch is like an infomercial. Hi, has this ever happened to you? And you said to yourself. There's got to be a better way. My name is Damon John, and I came from here, and I found a better way that can add to your life. And by the way, here's what it is. And by the way, I know you like it. So if you buy it by tonight, midnight, I'm going to send you two, not only one, two for the price of one. And if you don't like it, you can send it back. That's the perfect pitch. That you would not say yes to that. I say yes to it all the time. Do you know how much gym equipment I have around here that I've never sent back <laughs> and it really works well to hang my pants and hang my jackets on? Are you kidding me? When you look at that Peloton, I don't- I know, I, I was just going to ask you about your Peloton. How many Pelotons? It does not look, it looks very dusty, Damon. I, it is dusty. I see that in the pandemic, Peloton did not become- <laughs> Wait, was that the treadmill? Did you get the treadmill and the bike? I got every, I got the mirror. I got the boxing <laughs> thing. I got the Peloton. George is ordering something right now for me right now. What are we ordering, George? What's it called? Life Fitness what? The Power Home Edition. Whatever. We're, we're ordering Life here. Fitness, that's just like a, that's a, like a Nordic track. It's like a ski machine. It's everything. It's all in the gyms are made, like all that stuff. It's, 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 I'm going to get the climber too. I'm going to get the climber too. Oh my gosh. All right. So, so we have just, we have just a few more minutes though. I wish this is, I wish this could go on longer, but what do you think Damon about the state of small businesses 
today? Like, what would you say to the entrepreneur? Uh, not even, not even the brand new entrepreneur, like the budding entrepreneur, like my daughter who wants to sell her moldy sneakers on the street corner that nobody drives by. But like to the person who just got maybe, maybe 2019 was their year. They launched and 2020 came. And what would you say to them? Yeah, you know, if they were, um, if their trajectory was going up um, and it has stopped, um, look at what is your assets, what is your cash to death, what is your time on hand, staff, um, real estate imprint, um, and who's in your contacts and Rolodexes. And if you feel that you can overcome what's happening and hold on, I think that we're heading into, um, as they call it, the golden era. Um, because people are going to want to get out of here and they're going to want to celebrate, party, get together. Uh, We're big cases. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, and if you do feel that you are hemorrhaging, um, go to your why, see why you're doing so. If you have a 20,000 square foot imprint somewhere and you know your family's name is on it and you are um, egotistically trying to keep it afloat because you don't want the neighbors and the community to laugh at you, shut that place down now reset and start all over again. Um, so because uh, the, the, the pandemic has only highlighted our weaknesses or, mm-hmm. or our gifts, reset, reset right now, get it over with, um, check your why. Uh, but the people who are doing great, um, you know, keep, keep, uh, this is a marathon. So um, I think, I think we're getting a lot of the, a lot of people are getting the ability to look into the mirror and find out what is really matters to them. Just take your ego out of the way. I love the Yiddish saying, what would, ha- what would the outcome be if your ego wasn't in it? And yeah. um, it'll hurt, it'll burn, yeah. but you'll get right over it and you- you'll figure it out. You know what? I-, I think it's interesting that you, I love that uh, statement of hope um, that we're going into the golden era. I was thinking about this the other day. I was walking through Central Park. It was way too cold to walk through Central Park. I should get a mirror and a Peloton and a life fitness mountain climber <laughs> jazzercise machine, whatever it was that you were just using. Um, Did you say jazzercise? Yeah, it isn't. I actually, <laughs> is a great, but your little moves there where they've gone all digital. Yeah. Jazzercise is, that is a great business. Yeah. Anyway, but I remember I was walking through the park and all of a sudden I realized, I remember the roaring, like I've heard about the roaring 20s and the fashion and the flappers and the parties. And, you know, I have a vague recollection of the roaring 20s, but I never ever considered why people were roaring. Like, why were they dancing all over the place? And so, and then I just put two and two together, the 1918 flu. And what comes right after that? The Roaring Twenties. Now, yeah. I mean, I hope it doesn't take two years, but it will because what happens is we get a while out of it, um, and we're listen. We're almost a year and a half into it. Sooner, or later, I mean, what you no know, a year into it, mm-hmm. um, but people are going to get back. But what happens simultaneously is a lot of technology was developed too at the same time yeah. because a lot of people go back and they start to work for themselves, and people understand they start to value life. They start to value being together. I mean, even me, you know, um, I've been home for a while, uh, obviously cooped up with my, my, my wife and my four-year-old and the Wi-Fi went out in the house the other day. I, I got to meet them. They're really good people. I think <laughs> I'm going to hang out with them more often, you know? So you didn't zoom, you, know? you couldn't zoom with them. You had to like, hang yeah, out. I mean, I, yeah, my wife, I mean, she's into all kinds of things. I mean, maybe her <laughs> boyfriend, maybe her boyfriend could tell me more about what's going on because I didn't know about all this stuff. 
You know what board game you guys should play is it's called Mall Madness. It's a classic 80s board game. Lots of shopping involved. There's a, there's a fashion store in or, Mall Madness. Or a Mall Madness board <laughs> game. <laughs> he Please. can't. His shopping cart is full of exercise equipment. Uh, well, Damon, I just want to thank you so much for for every for I want to thank you for so many things. Um, I want to thank you for this conversation, uh, for gracing the cover of Success Magazine. Although now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, where what were you wearing on the cover? I haven't, I don't know that I've that I've seen it. So I'll look forward to that. But also thank you for for everything you've done over the past. I mean, how many years have you been coming into our living rooms and it's uh, been- 12, 12 seasons. And I couldn't Close. do that without amazing people like you and, and Madison and people who are cheering for the show every night. I mean, I'm just so I am. I remember the first time I saw a shark tank, I had just washed all of the hand-me-down clothes that my husband's best friend's sister had sent us from her newborn. And I washed them all in you know, non-scented detergent the way you're supposed to do because we were expecting our first child. And I remember folding them all. And um, at the time I was, I was wanting to start my own business and uh, it was like medicine to, it was like medicine to my soul. So thank you so much for that. And we, oh wait, where can people find you? I mean, we, I kind of know where to find you, but where can we find you? Yeah, I'm on most uh, all platforms at the Shark Damon. Uh, mm-hmm. My name is spelled Damon, like Raymond with a D. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm the you know on 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 uh, Friday nights eight o'clock. I'm the six foot uh, two slender um, African American that has a voice like dark skin Michael Jackson and light skin Michael Jackson. Okay. With uh, and I look a little bit like Billy D. Williams and Tyson Beckford and Brad Pitt rolled up into one. All, all in one package. And if you order now, you can get two. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Damon. Thank you for sharing your success with us. I appreciate you. Thank you for honoring me and allowing me to be on the cover. And thank you for your great interview and your great insights. I'm going to start working on more storytelling, which is, it is, it is, it is definitely the best way of communication. Mm. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at KindraHall.com or on Instagram at KindraHall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time.